This is the Hot Take Hockey Podcast with your hosts, Lucas and John Viveros. Hey everyone, it's John here from Hot Take Hockey with Lucas for episode 21 of the Hot Take Hockey Podcast. Well into the new year, we've already done our first since 2023 has begun. Lucas, man, second on the year, episode 21, we're rolling. How are you feeling? We got a big guest. I want you to tee it up because you were able to pull this one. But uh, yeah, Lucas, how are you doing? And who's our guest for today? Things are doing well, man. I mean, we're rocking and rolling here in the new year. Um, bringing on a spicy guest today, a real spicy guest. Uh, you know, I don't know if I want to drop it yet, Johnny. Might have to might have to tease it a little bit out. Uh, but uh, as far as, you know, uh, the last week or so goes, obviously the yeah. Leafs played the Bruins. And uh, that was quite the game. I mean, people are waiting for that best of seven, John, like for that to roll yeah. around if it is to happen. Um, but at least they're uh, finally to pass the first round as we talked about are. with Omar. <laughs> if they are. And I, I do want to call out because we, we called it out um, off air that John and I got a little match in OVO Leafs going right not now. Not planned. We swear not, not planned. Not planned whatsoever. So uh, yeah, that's cool. But but the, Leaf, the Leafs-Bruins game, man, what a game. I mean, as a neutral, like just action-packed back and forth. Like that's the type of game that, you know, in the dead of the season, like in January, like that game really felt like a playoff game. And um, 100%. You know, other than, you know, if, if you're on the Leafs side of the things, uh, other than that last shot with a minute 16 left, you know, you, you like you like the effort in TD Garden, especially it with it being the the most vicious building um, for for road teams going in there. And the Kraken were the first team to obviously get the win earlier in the week uh, at TD Garden. So yeah. the Leafs overall played a good, I, I thought played a good, good game, good 60 minutes. I think there was obviously ebbs and flows to the game where they controlled it a little bit more. And sometimes the Bruins were really taking it to them. But uh, let's start there, John. What was your reaction to that Leafs-Bruins game? Well, you just mentioned it, and we'll have to talk about it after this topic and the Kraken. I mean, what a story this year and knocking off the Bruins there. But yeah, man, I mean, if I could take a few things out of that game, and I I know we'll get into different discussions, but I mean, Riley Timmons scrapped that pair. Short experiment, over-experiment. Yeah, I mean, Felino. I love the background of the Felino story. Mike Felino. Uh, former Leaf, coach of the Wolves, all that good stuff. But, oh, my, Nick Felino, what a rat in that game. I know, man. What and, a and rat. The, fa- the fact that he didn't do very much for, for the Leafs uh, doesn't oh, leave man. a good taste in yeah. my mouth for him. I mean, I have no time for Nick Felino right now. I'll be no, honest. man, it pisses me off with all that happened. Obviously, that was that was Dubis's move, but then everything that happened, and now he's a Boston Bruin is just crazy to me. Uh, outside of that, I mean, yeah, just the – I think looking at that game and looking at the atmosphere and looking at the importance of the Bruins environment and fans and just still TD garden, like that in the playoffs in itself will be huge for the Bruins going forward. And obviously evidence of what we've seen this season. So, yeah, I mean, I think it was a good game. I think it was a good Saturday night classic. Uh, I think there was a lot of good aspects. I, I think a little bit of a different lens from Brad Marchand, because you usually see like Marchand either short and sweet or, with the chirping back and forth, but the guy was given the Leafs like way too much credit. I don't know if you watched uh, the interview, but he's like, yep. the Leafs are one of the best teams, some of the best players in the league. Uh, they're going to go far. It's only a matter of time now. And he's like saying all these things. And I'm like, okay, this is to me, at least this is some heavy reverse psychology here because oh, yeah. there's no, there's no sense where you go. The Leafs are making it far um, because the Leafs making it far means they're beating your team. So exactly, uh, there's no, like, there's no. literally at this point, Lucas, is there ever going to be a road? Oh, okay. I shouldn't say that, but at least in the near future, is there ever going to be a road where the Leafs make it far and not pass the Boston Bruins? <laughs> no, absolutely not. Um, you know, for the Leafs to go, you know, far this season, they have to knock off Boston, like you said. So I think Brad Marshawn loves, loves to talk to the media and do some of these reverse yeah. psychology things. And even if you remember a few years back, 
when Marner was in negotiations, he came out and was pumping Marner's tires to to see if that could work to get his AAV up, which was crazy. And then, um, yeah, we saw him in the playoff series just cross-checking Marner like crazy. So it's like... Yeah, he <laughs> loves this. He man. loves like, the back and forth, 100%. And I think he wanted to, like you said, he wanted to give him a little ego boost or like just throw that out there right before the game, right? And, and see how that would mess with them mentally. I, I didn't think it really had an impact on the game overall because no. it was a solid game. But I think that, uh, you know, it's it, it's awesome seeing Marshawn. He's a real personality of, of the game. And, uh, you know, as a neutral observer, I think it's pretty cool to see him say things like that about another team. Yeah, my perspective on yeah. Marshawn's changed a lot. Maybe that has to do with the fact that the Leafs haven't played Boston in a playoff series, like recently, <laughs> very recently. But yeah, I mean, when I think about it, Marshawn, uh, one of the best players in the game. Uh, obviously, he knows. Uh, well, even though it was before his prime, winning a cup and 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 doing well in the playoffs. So, no, it was interesting overall. But I think it just goes back to the conversation of playoff format and, and circumstances for the Leafs. Uh, unfortunately, to get to that point, they're going to have to play two of the best teams in the league. So that's unfortunate. But I do think it was a good test for the Leafs. Uh, it, it bothers me a little bit. The fact that uh, they had that chance just more so to get closer to them, but like that win, uh, I don't know if the Leafs are catching them. <laughs> I yeah, I know that 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 really didn't age well. My take that I think they were going to catch them. Uh, I think after that that uh, result on Saturday, like you said, I think it's over. It would just require such a run for the Leafs, and obviously Boston slowing down. But Boston, right now, I was speaking uh, speaking about this topic with my brother too. Boston is on pace for the greatest season uh, in NHL Ever. history. Yeah ever right in yeah. points uh wins everything right i mean the the record i believe for wins in, our, in a regular season is 62 they're on pace for 64 they're on pace for well over 130 points now can they keep that up i mean it's pretty unrealistic to think they're going to keep up that pace but the fact that we're over halfway through and they're still still going for it is unreal and i mean might as well transition to bruins talk and pavel zaka getting his big deal four by 4.75 john what do you think about that one yeah, I think it's a good bet. I've always seen Zaka as like a second line guy. So, I mean, that's market value. I think the age makes sense too for the Bruins and just the direction they're going. I think the versatility of the fact that he can play center, play wing. Uh, so I think the Bruins mindset right now is obviously for the now, but also for what's to come after Bergeron, what's to come after Krejci. Like these guys are not going to be around forever here. Uh, we we actually thought for a second Bergeron may have been done, which is crazy to say. Like Bergeron was close to being done, and now he's back, and the Bruins are having their best season ever, and potentially the NHL's best season ever. So, uh, I think the fact that these guys are here in the now, and there's a well built team around them, but also like the perspective, obviously, to have these guys after they're gone. So Taylor Hall will be there, Pasternak will be there, Coyle will be there, Saka will be there. Uh, so, and then we'll see how long Marshawn has left, but yeah, I know we wanted to also talk about Pasternak's potential deal coming up. And, uh, I know that was a call. That was a conversation on Saturday night as well. The yep. potential contracts coming up for, uh, when we look at the, the next wave of contracts. So McDavid got the 12.5 and that's the conversation of all the guys after. So Matthews, what is he going to get on his next deal? And then obviously pasta McKinnon, like go down the list. So yeah, I like the Zaka deal, but obviously some big deals coming up for Boston and obviously around the league. Yeah, and the Bruins have always been a team that's, you know, tried to hold the dollars down for the betterness of the whole roster. And players up to this point, you got to give the Bruins players over the, their history credit. They've done that. And Charlie McAvoy was really the first one to maybe not take market value. Maybe he still took a bit of a discount, but to get that AV a little higher. And I think Pasternak's going to do the same thing, right? I, I, all indications are that he's going to, uh, you know, get into double digits and maybe he's not going to get 
exactly what he'd get on the market because John, I think some team would probably pay him close to that McDavid AAV. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's gonna do that. I think he's gonna work with the Bruins and probably get it a little further down than that number. But uh yeah, if if they're able to lock up David Pasternak, I think as they transition from the Bergeron Marchand era, uh, they still do have a core of guys they're starting to put together that will keep them in the hunt and keep them interesting as they transition. I mean, even the goaltending has this year has taken that huge step of they're certain with those two guys right now. Yeah. Um, so Boston, I mean, as, as a Leafs supporter, it was always, Oh, once Chara, Marshawn, Bergeron go away Tuka Rask go away. Bruins will fade into oblivion. It's not looking like that. It's really not looking like that. And no. Boston continues to, to put together a solid team. So uh, quickly on Pavel Zaka, I just wanted to say too, it's great to see that he found a home for Boston, obviously struggling once uh, in the New Jersey organization, didn't really get his fair shot. And now with his uh, two Czech uh, line mates there, I think he's really found a home. So it's great to see that. Um, and and yeah, the Bruins continue to be one of the best teams in the league going forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad they formed that line because prior to the season, that's exactly what I was suggesting. I was like, man, it just makes too much sense. Yeah. Like I, I, I figured they were going to... And they still might resort back to the pasta Bergeron Marshawn line when they need to. And maybe in the playoffs, that's the scenario. But I just thought it makes too much sense. Give guys like Taylor Hall, give guys uh, in, in that top six opportunity to play like a, with a Bergeron. So DeBrusque was that opportunity. And obviously he's gone down with an injury now. Uh, but that was the big point of DeBrusque having a breakout season too, was, was getting that opportunity. So you can slide a guy like Pasternak down, have some familiarity for him, and then look what the season's done. So yeah, I, I think back to that Pasternak conversation, I also think it depends on the outlook from per, uh, Pasternak's perspective and also just overall of the Bruins because I go back to like the lightning example and when all those contracts were being done, whether it's Kucherov, Hedman, all those conversations, um, it was about, okay, shaving a million or two off to make it work for Stanley Cup contending teams. Uh, and that's what the lightning have done. So the Bruins, mm-hmm. I wonder if Pasternak sees the perspective that even if Bergeron leaves, even with Krejci being done, if he still sees that potential of, okay, if I take a million or two less, it's going to make sense for me and the team to win a cup. So I compare it to like Kucherov's contract. Kucherov easily could have got 11 or 12 million easily, but he took the 9.5 to give that opportunity for the lightning to have that flexibility. I wonder if Pasternak, I don't think he'll go as far as low as 9.5, but based on what you just said, like instead of getting that 11.5 or 12, he might sell for, I don't know, under 11, maybe like the same contract as Mitch Marner has right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that would be quite the savings for the Bruins. And like you said, yeah. I feel like once you're, once your big core guys do it at the top of the lineup, it really sets the precedent for the rest of the team. Yeah. Um, so, so that's only winning for Boston right now and we'll see how it transpires the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, overall, I think, uh, yeah, we're going to have a good guest on today with some good takes. I, let's, I think let's drop it. Let's drop it now. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll quit the teasing. I mean, we were talking about some spicy players like Brad Marshawn and, we got a spicy guest today, like I said early on in the show. It's Sid Sixero uh, from Breakfast Television. You're going to know him from, obviously, Sportsnet as well as the Tim and Sid show uh, that yeah. he was on for many, many years on Roger Sportsnet. So we're so excited to bring on Sid, fellow Portuguese man, yeah. and uh, chat some Leafs, chat some NHL news in general. Um, Vancouver Canucks, John, as well, as Sid's shown an interest on in that on, on his Twitter. Um, and, and maybe even drop in some nuggets on the Portuguese national team and get his take on the goat debate and where that's gone. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know he's had different opinions over the years on that, but yeah. yeah, I mean, love him or not. I think Sid, uh, is always explosive with those takes. And yeah, I think for myself, 
when we're talking about the hot take hockey podcast here, like I hope Sid brings us some hot takes. Cause I want, I want to stir up a little bit, but yeah, man, overall um, there's a lot of storylines, especially with Canadian teams lately. So I hope that brings good conversation with Sid. Absolutely. Hey, John, what about, uh, let's move on quick transition to Matt Boldy and that seven by seven that he just got uh, as of this recording, it was earlier today. Um, you know, I, I was trying to find some sort of a comparable. Like I know when the devils locked up Jack Hughes, it was a little early and some people were, you know, a little harsh on, on, on pulling the trigger there for the devils. And maybe his AV was a little too high at the time he signed it. Now it's looking like a steal, yeah. but for, for Matt Boldy, like, what do you think about seven by seven? Do you think it's a, a good risk for Minnesota? Yeah, I like it. I think it's a good risk. The only thing I'll say is the Wilder in such a weird situation because you would think like a team that has the two dead contracts, we'll call it, in Paris and Suter, you'd think they'd probably be closer to the basement, but they're actually in a third division spot as we record and competing well for a playoff spot. So in terms of like that combined with, yeah, they're younger players and taking a bet, I feel like we've seen it more and more recently with teams taking that early bet and hoping it just pans out with the fact that now we're looking into the future where hopefully no pandemic bullshit anymore. Mm -hmm. And now the cap will just keep rising and kind of we'll get into the the Jim Rutherford conversation with the Canucks in a second, but he referred, even though I don't agree with what he was talking about, but he referred to the fact that like contracts that he'll sign or contracts that teams will sign, it won't look nearly as bad in two, three years. So Matthew Boldy at seven mil, I'm sure right now people look at it as a risk, but Boldy, he's entering his prime and he's already shown well this season and been a, been a big part of the wild success. So, I mean, three years, Matt Boldy at seven, I would imagine if he's putting up 60, 70 points, that will be a huge dub for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he, and he really burst onto the scene when, when he joined Minnesota, obviously he was 12th overall pick uh, in round one. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think this is kind of the low end of him, right? They, they're, pro- they're projecting he's going to be, a 60, 70 point guy, like you said. So I think this is one of those building blocks. Minnesota obviously had to lock up and probably jump a little bit early now. So that way it saves them later on. So uh, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye on that one. So yeah, let's jump. We might as well just rip through it. I already made a video Canucks talk. Just it's a, it's a daily or a weekly segment on the pod. Uh, yeah. Just quickly guys, if you didn't watch my video, go check it out on the hot Hockey channel, but just we'll get Lucas's thoughts quickly here. Honestly, I don't even know what to say anymore. I think Jim Rutherford, some some Canucks fans I'm seeing on Twitter are saying that we got no answers, but we did. We honestly did. Like, obviously no answers, I would say, in terms of accountability. Like, Patrick Alvin, GM, not there. Uh, key members of the organization still have not spoken this season. Uh, but the fact that Jim Rutherford came forward, and I don't know if it's an age comp. Like, I don't know if he was just revealing things because he just wasn't thinking on a PR perspective or if they coached him well enough going into this presser. But he was revealing stuff more than I expected. Like, when he was asked directly about if Bruce Boutreau's time was done uh, and out and if Rick Talkett was coming in, he didn't even say like straight out no. Like he said, Boudreaux's our coach, but yes, I've talked to people of people. I've talked to other candidates and it's just like, okay, so you're saying yes. <laughs> he said no without saying no. Uh, mm-hmm. And then obviously talked about the Horvat trade. And, and he also said like the Canucks are going to be over the cap, which is also wrong. But I guess if you contribute to the fact that they need to re-sign Kuzmenko, they need to re-sign other guys after the Pedersen and Hughes extensions. But Lucas, man, from what you know, from what you heard, the mess continues. What do you think? 
Yeah, it sounds like Jim Rutherford, um, I mean, regardless what he was going to say, there was going to be things that were blown up um, from the press conference. And, yeah. you know, him referring to the organization uh, and and the roster requiring major surgery is quite the... Uh, oh, that's a quote. Nah, yeah, right that's there. quite the quote right there. I mean, we've talked about it for weeks, John. I feel like as soon as they signed JT Miller, it really put them in a pickle uh, to get Bo Horvat done. And so that... Bo Horvat, as the days go by, looks more and more likely to be traded. And I think that's probably the best thing the Canucks can do right now in terms of getting assets back. Um, Bo Horvat is having the best season of his career, and there's no chance. Um, when he looks at what is happening in, in this organization, money aside, I can't see why he would be really attracted to it other than the fact that this is the team that's really invested all their resources in him since he was drafted. Like that is the only appeal for him, right? Like yeah. other other than that, he's got to be thinking, get me out of here and get me to a team that has a chance uh, to win in the near future. So um, just from what I've heard and sound bites from the, from the presser, uh, obviously it only happened a few hours ago. I, th- I think that the Canucks um, continue to dominate the headlines of the national hockey league. hundred percent. And uh, we'll be talking about them for the weeks ahead up till the deadline, because I, I think this team is going to make some major moves prior to that. And then obviously in the off season, yeah. I think by the time October comes around and or training camp comes around, this team's going to look so different. Uh, there's going to be big, they better, they better, they, they have to. And, and he, <laughs> he even referred to that. Right. So I, yeah. I'm going to take him by his word and, and say that and, and, and give him that. But Jim Rutherford overall has had one of those careers um, in general where he's always looked at as like this wise ahead of the times type of GM who's always built good teams. And this seems like the first time he's really felt this pressure, at least that I can remember where like the team is really, really in a rough spot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will sound like the biggest broken record ever and just continue to say that. And I was saying it in the moment, so it's not like I can just speak out of my behind here and act like I was saying it when there's there's evidence on YouTube. I, I just it's so frustrating because in the moment I was like trade JT Miller, trade JT Miller. I'm not gonna keep talking about that because it's just so frustrating. If I was a Canucks fan, I'd lose my mind over it because it just seemed like so obvious and now more so it looks so bad. But to list off some names, Lucas, Bo Horvat, Andre Kuzmenko, Connor Garland, Luke Shen, Tyler Myers, like that's mm-hmm. five right there. Uh, did I say Brock Besser? I don't, I don't know. No, like, not yet. Brock, Brock Besser. Besser like yep. those six guys, I truly think only one of them maybe will be there in October. Yeah. So maybe you, you, two. So you think the only guys that are really like Sherlock's to be here in October are really Pedersen and Hughes? Or do you see maybe maybe Demko fitting that mold? Or, yeah, I don't or, even know, man. Like yeah, Friedman like, put me through a loop when he said on national TV that Hughes wasn't even untouchable. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, whoa. Um, and then who was it? It was Rick Talkett on TNT that he was also saying that um, was a TNT talk. It was like, yeah, I don't know if I like smaller defensemen being my, like he was saying something along those lines. And then obviously there's all the rumors about talking going to Vancouver. It's like, bro, you got a small defenseman as the number one. I don't know. Anyone listen to the pod. I don't know Rick Talkett's exact quote, so we'll have to pull it up after, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, that whole conversation is crazy. I think Pedersen is truly the only untouchable after that cues. I think they'll still hold on to Demko just because he fits it's, that it, age mold. Yeah. And like the value so much lower value than it was is, last year. Yeah. It's at such a low. They can't. So they can't, they can't do that. I just don't like. So those three guys, I think are truly the only three guys I'm confident will be there in October. I also think the way Rutherford was talking, Miller will probably stay there. Uh, after that, I have no idea. The, 
John, the thing about Kuzmenko, like I know Rutherford alluded to wanting to re-sign him, right? Yeah. Why would Kuzmenko even think about staying unless they really blow the doors off and give him all this money? Why would he even stay? I mean, he's had a great year. Don't yeah, almost a proper game. He's been great. Yeah, but he can look like, I'm sure there'll be plenty of teams lining up for his services that can give him what the Canucks can give him or more. Um, and he might have a better shot somewhere else. Like, it's just... Ugh. This team, like you said, I mean, other than Pedersen, like I'm not writing anybody off from getting traded. I mean, Demko, like we just talked about, would be a tough one to, to trade out with his current value. But other than that, I think everyone's on the table. Oh, and- the Canucks would be a disaster in asset management-wise if they did what they did with JT Miller here and it's re-signing him. Yeah. And, and then and then flipped it and wasted asset management and just went, okay, we'll trade Demko right now and we'll, yeah. and we'll, we'll trade these guys right now when their value is so low. Like, it's just like JT Miller's value is at the absolute highest it was ever going to be. And I don't know how it wasn't so obvious to any mediocre hockey mind. And somehow it was like, okay, let's lock him up for max years, major money. Yep. See ya. Yeah, man. Crazy. And I think what's got to be said too, and I want to bounce this off Sid too, when he comes on, when Sid joins the show, but Bruce Boudreaux, man, has been put through the ringer. Like the fact that you can be so disrespected, in my opinion, like, in your current role that every day you're having to answer questions if you're going to, you know, what the future looks like for you. And you hear all these rumors about them speaking to Rick Tockett. Like, yeah, I, I just, I really feel for Bruce. Uh, I think he's, he's oh, a good, he's a good guy and he's a good coach and he, he's done what he's can with this team. And it just, it just continues to be more challenging for him day by day. Like I, I really do feel for him. Um, and I hope he gets another shot elsewhere. Once I wish, once Bruce, I man, I wish Bruce would be willing to come to the Leafs as an assistant. I, I wish, man, he I just know. wants that head coaching job. But I wish he'd be willing to come as an assistant. Um, Lucas, just to peel out of this segment, and then we'll we'll wrap and then go into our, our chat. But I got three based on Twitter. I've got three proposals, three hot take proposals. I don't think they're realistic, but I want you to say which team you think would say no. So we we're talking about crazy contracts. We're talking about the Canucks. Oliver Ekman Larson, he's got five years left at the retained amount, 7.25. I saw this. I think Sat, Satyar put this out there on Twitter. Uh, Bobrovsky, <laughs> after this year, three years left. He's playing well right now. Who would say no? OEL for Bobrovsky, one for one. Bobrovsky is 10 per year. Which team would say no? I would say, I would say Vancouver. I, I got to say Vancouver on that one because I think, you know, Spencer Martin has been serviceable this year. And they're hoping Demko is obviously way better than what he's shown this year. Um, so I would say Vancouver would say no because them getting another atrocity of a goaltending contract uh, would just show shades of Roberto Luongo at the end of his career. So I'm I'm going to go with the Canucks say no. Man, I you know what? I, when I saw it, I was yeah. kind of on your mindset there. But then I and on the flip side, I was like the Canucks seeing OEL. They just healthy scratched them for five more years. Well, yeah, like four after this. It's like, I don't know how they can possibly handle that. I don't know if I love the Bobrovsky replacement. I feel like that's just one bad situation to another. It's just so tough. Like they took on that OEL contract. I didn't think he would be this bad. I thought it would be okay, but what a, what an atrocious uh, situation. Uh, the other one that I had pulled up, and, and this one I think was just brought up today, and I, I want your thoughts <laughs> on it because I think I think it's actually crazy. Um, Jeff put it on uh, Twitter. He said, if the Canucks were to trade Horvat to the Hurricanes, based on what Rutherford said today, that under 24 range, Horvat to the Hurricanes, Kotkaniemi and a first, who says no? Does, does Carolina resign him in that 
scenario or is it strictly a rental or do we not know? We we'll say conditional know. first. It becomes a second if they don't okay. sign Horvath. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to say... Oh, this is I tough, eh? Yeah, that is a tough a one. deep draft. That is a tough one. I, I, I'm i going to say that Horvat should command a little bit more than that. Um, so I would say Vancouver would say no if that was today. But I think as the deadline closes in, that might be what they get. Like a, a decent young player and a high second to first round or a second round pick. Yeah, I think um, if it's no condition, I think if it's they're guaranteed to get the 2023 first. Yeah. It's like Kotkaniemi and I don't like the Kotkaniemi, but the fact that like he fits exactly what Rutherford was talking about today is also just funny, but uh, yeah, I think Hor- they got to get at least like a roster player, a first, and a young player for Horvath, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. So if they can pull a younger player from Carolina or a prospect, then I would say yes to that deal. But I'm with you. I think Vancouver says no. Last one I wanted to throw out there, and this is Leafs Canucks here. I think we've talked about it before. Besser, over $6 million, uh, I think a couple of years after this one. Would you deal Topi Nimala and throw the contracts of Kerfoot, Engvall, and Hall for Brock Besser? Would you do that deal? Okay, so this is for this is for Besser or Horvath. This is for Besser. This is for Besser. Okay, so we got Kerfoot, Nimala, and Hall. That was the deal. And, well, yeah, Engvall. Like it doesn't really matter. You need okay. two of the contracts at least to match the cap, right? So, like at least two of those contracts attached to Nimala for Besser. Are you doing that deal? This is the toughest one, John. You placed these perfectly. It got harder as we went. Um, I'm gonna say that you do the deal. If you're the Leafs, you do the deal. Yeah. I, I, I'm i so high on Nimala. I really am. But I think for this time period right now, the Leafs have to go all in. They got to do everything they can to win. And I think Brock Besser would be similar in terms of what he would add to the second line or or for wherever he plays. I would assume it'd be the second line as Taylor Hall going to the Bruins when they acquired him. So um, I'm going to say the Leafs say yes and uh, the, or the Leafs should say yes. So but Vancouver gets a great deal there, too, I think, if they get Nimala. Hey, so. that's the Leafs way of adding a scorer and yeah. not trading their first-round pick and Nyes, mm-hmm. right? It's a little bit of a risk because of the contract and the cap hit. I would say I'm even more intrigued if the Leafs threw in, like, a mid-draft or, like, a second-round pick and got, like, maybe a 1.5 shaved off that cap for the Canucks to retain. Then I'm yep. even more at that deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. We can talk about a bunch of different things, but, Lucas, do you want to tee up our little chat, or is there any other topics we missed? Uh. The only other one I did want to quickly shoot by you was uh, in Detroit, and obviously Nadelkovich clearing waivers today. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously they they snuck Vrana through there. And we don't know necessarily the whole situation on what's gone on with, with Jacob Vrana. Obviously, he's a he's a really highly touted And he's been a healthy uh, scratch the last couple of AHL games as well. I don't know if you saw that. Which yeah, is yeah. Even I, crazier. I, I did see that. So obviously there's some things behind there's the There's something scenes. we don't know. That we don't know, and, and we don't want to speculate on that because we genuinely don't know. Um, but Stevie Y sliding Vrana and Nadelkovich through waivers. I mean, if you were to tell me those guys would be on waivers at the start of the season, I would have called you crazy. And I would have yeah. told you that people like some team would have claimed each of those guys. Right. So what has happened with, uh, let's start with Nadelkovich. I mean, that's the one we're really sure about. It's really about his play that's fallen off and Huso's obviously supplanted him as the number one. What do you think about Alex Nadelkovich and, uh, and his, uh, so his sort of struggles at this point? Yeah, I mean, this is going to be a classic, like, next year he'll sign for, like, a mil or less to be a backup, and that's just going to be the situation. Like, he'll yeah. bounce back. I think it happens with so many goalies where it's like they're on that three, four, or five million. They're underperforming, and the next year. So, I think the Delkovich, like, as an NHL goalie, he'll be a backup next year or whatever happens. But, yeah, I was a little surprised. I, I think, I guess it makes sense in terms of the tight cap and, and everything going on, but 
Uh, Nadelkovic, I just feel like I've watched him a couple games this year where he looks actually pretty good. And then, then mm-hmm. he goes through a stretch where it's like, you got to get Huso back in there. So I don't know, even the Leafs Red Wings game I went to, Huso got yanked and then Nadelkovic went in and he played well the rest of the game. So I think he's got the skill set. I think a lot of people ripped into that trade. I think I did less so, but I think looking at the fact that the Hurricane. The Hurricanes knew something we didn't, I guess. So clearly, clearly. Uh, Carolina really showed that they know what they're doing because I think I can even speak for myself. When I saw Carolina deal him, I was scratching my head a little bit that I thought he may be a uh, goalie of the future for them, but they just got goalies coming out, coming out the pipes over there. So Koshnikov, they just yeah. sent down to the AHL. Like they're chilling. They're chilling yeah. right now. They've got Freddie and, and Ranta. And this is their plan all along. Like Ranta is going to be done after this year. He'll go sign elsewhere, be done, and they'll have Anderson and Koshnikov. Uh, potentially, right? Maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Carolina, uh, I mean, sorry, Detroit specifically with Stevie Y, watch out for them, man, because I think as the years go by here, they're going to come out strong. Like they're going to slowly add each off season. And before you know it, they're going to be good, real, real, real good again. So watch out for them. Um, I think that's pretty much it. I know uh, there's a few other, you know, smaller topics going around, like certain waiver players, certain, certain trades that we'll look into in the coming weeks before, uh, before the trade deadline, but let's uh, let's bounce into our conversation with Sid Sixero and hear what he has to say about uh, all things NHL and uh, get some spicy takes, like you said, on the Hot Take Hockey Pod. So let's bring on Sid and welcome back to the Hot Take Hockey Pod. We're pleased to bring on Sid Sixero from Breakfast Television, and you'll also know him from the Tim and Sid Show back on Sportsnet. Sid, how's it going? Things are going well, man. Things are very, just so you know, very few people could grab me at this time of night doing a morning TV show. Like, this is my get ready for the next day, hour and a half. But you guys have have really set the tone in your one year doing this. You're one of the best podcasts out there. Beautiful. Wow. Anytime, you get, anytime you get James Duffy on this podcast, it's legit. Okay? <laughs> there you go. So, I appreciate no, I, I, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Honored to be here. And uh, I miss doing pods. I used to do a lot of pods, but uh, it's been a while. So anytime I get an invite, it's fun. Appreciate it. Lovely. We're happy to have you, of course, and really appreciate the kind words. I mean, you're on the show now, so it's got to be legit too, right? Sid Sixero is in the house. Let's move on. Let's move into the topic about the, be the worst, the worst downloaded pod you've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be up there. We're locking we'll it let in. We'll let you it'll know. <laughs> Sid. This past weekend, we wanted to bring you on today because obviously this past weekend, the Leafs played Boston uh, back at TD Garden, the House of Horrors. And obviously that uh, the game, the game actually went pretty well for for the buds, for the guys in the blue and white. But obviously the last minute there, right before the last minute, Matt Grizzlick with the goal. I want to get your quick reaction on um, that game as a whole and what you think about the two teams now that we're into the second half of the season. Well, I mean everyone on Boston should be tested for, for performance enhancers constantly because I don't know what that's about. You know, I, you know, Jim, like Jim Montgomery was a good coach for a while before that thing happened in Dallas. Like I, you put up some numbers, I guess. Right. But I, I don't, they, they, that team must've really hated Bruce Cassidy, like a lot, like, like deep in your loins, hatred of a human being because Jim Montgomery walks in, and he looks like Bruce Boudreau on the back end of last year in Vancouver. Everyone loves him. And I just don't know. That's that's what culture means, right? That's mm-hmm. what that's about. Because you just make a couple tweaks here and there. And uh, Hampus Lindholm's been really good. Like, they've, they've made some additions that have worked out. 
But that's a team, the more I watch Boston, the more I realize that's a team that realizes this is probably it. Mm-hmm. This this is their last run. Because didn't like didn't didn't half their guys resign for like Giordano money? Like yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Bert Bergeron, Crazy made the comeback. Yep. Yeah. One last it was all one last ride money. Mm-hmm. All of it. And you could tell in how they're playing. Like it's sick. That's it's Michael Jordan Bull stuff going on. Yep. And um although Seattle worked the other, the other night, which was totally weird. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll give the Leafs credit because that's all they—that's the bar. Leafs competed. Leafs competed. Um, moral victories, they said. <laughs> you know, it's it's not it's not that it's not that interesting to me anymore. The moral victories. Um, it isn't. You know, I just I wonder. Yeah. I, I I the one thing I'm really wondering right now with the Leafs is. When do we start to honestly have the Morgan Riley discussion? Because <laughs> he might be the nicest guy in the world. Oh, he's the he's best. One yeah. of the most well liked Leafs I've ever come across. Like I was at a, I was covering one of the Raptor games in the NBA Finals in 2019, mm-hmm. and I'm walking to get like a hot dog or something. This was right before Kevin Durant ruptured his Achilles, mm-hmm. and I ran into somebody I knew. And he was there with a few Leafs, and it was it was Morgan. Like no one was messing with Morgan. Morgan was blending in with the crowd. Like no one even knew he was there. And I'm like, this isn't this is an everyday guy. This is a good. This is a this is a normal dude mm-hmm. who happens to play in the National Hockey League. Um, I've always been a fan of Morgan, and I just read the quotes from Sheldon Keith today at practice. This is a Monday taping for those watching, so they played. Mm-hmm the Panthers tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and he basically said, Riley is not yet a hundred percent. Okay. Well, if he's not a hundred percent, what the hell is he doing up there? Because I'm looking at his plus minuses since he came back. And it's like, he, it's like he's in the third round at Augusta shooting. Well, yeah. minus two, yeah. minus three. Like this is, that's not what you want. And he's playing a lot. And the one thing we all saw from the Leafs when they were really cooking was glass it out. Nothing complicated, nothing nothing strange. Justin Hall looked normal. Mm-hmm. Lilgren looks like the real deal. Glassing out. Hockey's not as complicated as some people would would lead you to believe. I'll, I'll always remember I was in high school and a coach said to me, "Hockey is glassing out. Glassing out in your own zone, you will win three times out of four if that's all you do, mm-hmm. and just forecheck with any semblance of energy." That's what the Leafs were doing. I haven't seen the Leafs do that. Since 2004, glassing out, not complicated. That's it. And Riley's all over the place, man. His head's on a swivel, and they do not—they do not look the same. So, do you sit down Morgan for another week or something? I don't know. I don't know. There's a flu bug running through the Leafs dressing room. Just say he's got it. Sit him for two. Like who's going to know? Nobody's going to know. Yeah, I agree. I Uh, think with with the way they've played, even up until he uh, he came back. I mean. They were having the greatest team success of the season so far. And obviously that's not, you know, directly because he was out of the lineup. But I think that it, it, it affords you that time to, if he is still banged up, give him some time. Like there's no need to to, to try to fit him in the lineup right now. John, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, like to give you background, uh, Sid, I'm a huge Riley guy. So this has kind of been a rough period so for me. I, I, like, I, can't, I like him. You know, 
Oh, oh I, saying, I can't I can't defend his play in terms of recent and back to what you said. I know you've been in the industry uh, for a while now, so you've gotten a lot of that background information on, on players and obviously that exposure. But everyone I've talked to uh, just I've never heard one negative thing about Morgan Riley. So off the ice, like that's never been a question. Uh, so it's tough to see like such a good guy like that go through his struggles right now. And he's the longest tenured leaf. So uh, you want to see for a guy like that, the success, cause he's been through it all. He's seen every shade of this team uh, yeah. possible. So um, yeah, it, it's tough to see. I also think Riley jumped in, whether he's hundred percent or not. I also think he jumped into a team uh, the way they were playing this style. It just doesn't fit him as well. But I was joking around with Lucas last episode. I was like, Hall and Riley must have some kind of feud because Hall mess of a season. Riley's gone unreal play and then Riley comes back and Hall's a little questionable again so I don't know on that but you you said something interesting there to me in that um you know they don't look the same with him there well here's the problem he plays like 20 21 minutes a night yeah so I went through his have you guys seen the difference between his five on five points and his power play points this year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. his power play points are he has eight points on the power play and he has seven even strength yeah if you're gonna have, if you're Morgan Riley have seven points even strength, that's fine. I want to see twenty on the power play. And, and now that like, and now that's happening. yeah, and now that's becoming a bit of a challenge for him too because maybe maybe it does have to do with this this injury or whatever nagging him. But Sheldon keeps running a five man forward power play. So Listen, it, look, man, I I know know this about the Leafs. This is not the year they're doing anyone any favors. Keith. And Dubas, like they're this is not the year where they're like, well, let's see how it goes. The writing's nope. on the wall. Nope. So yeah. this Morgan thing, I don't. If if this doesn't straighten out, there's gonna be there's gonna be some changes to either the ice time, or he gets the flu, mm-hmm. and he sits for a yeah. few. Because he's not. If he's not right, that's fine. But there's nothing wrong with being injured. Zero wrong with it. And he just signed the deal, so he's got his he's got his insurance. It's fine. This is not the year to be running guys out there injured when basically you're, you're going to finish second in the division and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter who you run out there. This is the time. Don't be the LA chargers and play people when you don't have to. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta calm down on that. You know exactly who you're going to play on April the 7th or whatever mm-hmm. it's going to be. So just gear up. And if people aren't a hundred percent, I love what they did with Matthews sit. Yeah. You know, you want to play Boston Saturday. You're not feeling great. Sit. Mm-hmm. NBA players don't have to play games. I've never seen anything like it. Like my advice to, and like I, I, my timeline once in a while will pop up. Somebody, somebody says, "Oh, I bought, I bought uh, my kid tickets to watch Joel Embiid, Trey Young, Steph." These guys play half the. It's the worst investment in sports to pay money to watch an a specific NBA player. You will. You might as well invest in Bitcoin. That's more of a. That's more of a sure bet. Yeah. Well, yeah, we got a first look they, at that with Kawhi with the Raptors, and he's still yeah. doing it. <laughs> right, but what did it matter? When it mattered, where was Kawhi? Yeah, there. Roasting dudes. Yeah, roasting dudes. That's all you care about. That's all you remember Kawhi. You don't remember when Kyle Lowry was kind of annoyed at it, and then he and Nurse and, and Masai had to have the real sit down, and the whole thing almost blew up, and no one remembers it. You, you remember, remember both that. of them holding the trophies or the trophies. You remember the trophies. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, were, you remember Kyle ordering Kawhi around at press conferences. I remember one entity said, come on, Kawhi. And Kawhi would say anything. It was like, 
You know what I mean? Like it was this weird relationship to develop. That's what people remember. If he's not right, sit him. If Morgan Riley's not right, sit him. If if mm-hmm. if Austin Matthews needs two days off because he really wants to play Saturday night against Boston, sit him. It's fine. But this NHL thing that exists in that you're you're not you're not a team player if you don't fight through everything. The Leafs actually more than anyone need to sit guys because when they get to the first round and the second round, that's not like the the best conditioned team in the league. I don't care how many guys they have in the back room. By the end of those seven-game series, they're done. Mm-hmm. And the team they're playing has two rounds still in it. Why is that? I don't know. But the Leafs have like the most inflated staff. Sorry, I'm rambling. The Leafs have the most inflated staff in hockey, both in the room behind them and upstairs. And at the end of every playoff series, they're huffing and puffing. At the end of game six in Tampa, they're huffing and puffing. Nope. Yeah. Not good enough. Sick mm-hmm. guys when it doesn't matter. Now it doesn't matter. Yeah. The next, the next two and a half months do not matter, especially after the loss on Saturday. You know, just like what you said, said you know it's Tampa in April. It's Tampa. 100%. So, so and, and with the honestly, I, I got to give credit to the Leafs organization with the depth they have on D right now. They have seven, eight guys that can that can play. Glass it out, like you said. So I I, I do think uh, they they should look into that and load management the term load management, maybe that is something that makes its way into hockey. And we, we break down these stereotypes of hockey players got to play all 82. I mean, maybe that's something that comes with the some next generation. But yeah. Some teams can. Yeah. You think it's a coincidence. Kucherov misses that entire year. No. Comes back no. and looks like an Avenger. <laughs> like that's not a coincidence. Some of these guys, hockey's tough. I know it's only 20 minutes high end tonight. I know, but like, that's a tough 20 minutes. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with sitting. Is Alex Kerfoot going to play four rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs? I hope not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I see. I see the dude lose a stick, leave his own zone the other <laughs> night, and then get scored on. Like I, I, I don't know. I, there, I, there's certain guys on this roster who don't look like they're up for it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they want it. Yeah. But like, I want. Let's say I want to be a doctor. Do I have the chops to go through that for ten years? It's not the same thing. It isn't. So I think the Leafs need to sit dudes right now, immediately. Anyone who has a nick of anything, sit them now because it's irrelevant. Unless you're unless you're genuinely scared of what's going on behind you. And, I mean, you shouldn't be because you still have some depth, I guess, especially on the blue line. This is the most depth I've seen them have on the blue line. Oh, for sure time. on the blue line, yeah. It should be fine. But – We'll see. I'll, I'll, the Leafs are so messed up, man. Because yeah. even with nothing to play for, they have nothing to play for for the next three months. Yeah. And it's still pretty interesting to watch. It's still pretty good. I mean, the trade deadline's going to be interesting. That's going to be mm-hmm. fun. And a Friday trade deadline. By the way, tell everyone at the NHL, thank you for the Friday trade deadline. That's a good move. That is a good move. It it's usually that Monday. Get eh? a weekend feel, man. Take the day off early from yeah. work. Get home. <laughs> throw on a TV station, Sportsnet, throw it on. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, I like that move. I like a Friday trade deadline. Well, cool. as, as a kid, I liked the Monday because I would uh, start faking sick Sunday night and make sure I was able to stay home with, with the with the parents. But easier now, now, on the Friday, though. Now that you know, the Friday, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Get off a little bit early. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. So, Sid, I was going to ask you because – 
Well, you sent out a, a pretty electric tweet, I'll, I'll say, the other day about a different NHL team. But yeah, just on the Leafs conversation, just to wrap it up. I mean, the Leafs have had way more. Like I go back, I think Lucas and I actually watched it a couple of years ago. Uh, it was back when you were in the original studio with uh, with Tim and you were ripping. It was the, the, I was actually at the game. The Leafs lost to the Blues. It was when Phaneuf like fell on the blue line and the puck went through Bernier's uh, five hole. Anyways, you were just ripping Phaneuf. You're ripping the Leafs. It, it was an iconic uh, clip, but we're in better days somewhat, but obviously the Leafs uh, still a mess in different aspects. But a team that's truly in a mess that could probably compare back to those Leaf days is the Vancouver Canucks. And I'll read your tweet for the viewers because I, I loved it, Sid. I know you come out every once in a while. You have an electric sports tweet that comes out, and I just I love it every time. So Sid goes, I've heard my entire life how difficult a media market Vancouver is. Too much Canucks criticism, media slash fans, unfair, blah, blah, blah. Enough of that. This is one of the worst organizations in hockey, and they deserve every ounce of criticism that comes their way in that market. Sid, on that tweet, what, what kind of boiled you over to send that tweet out and just overall your thoughts on the Canucks? You know what boiled me over? It's a good question. What boiled me over was the Quinn Hughes quote. Because I like Quinn Hughes a lot. Yeah. And Quinn Hughes is a young player who's still finding his way in a, an exceptional talent. And when I saw that quote, I said to myself, this is something like a guy in his mom's basement in Vancouver would tweet out. Like that's, that's not a quote from a dude in the room who knows what's going on. That's a tweet from guys like me. That's a troll thing to say. But my guy said it on the record in front of cameras because he's so pissed that Tanner Pearson's career just ended. And I saw that and I'm like, because I, and honestly, there was, and the second thing that made me send it was I saw a clip of, um, uh, it was a Rick Dollywall and uh, Donnie and Dolly. Yeah, Don, they, yeah. They, they were on radio locally in Vancouver. They're doing their own pod now. They're having great success. And congratulations to them. But they had uh, they had Brian Burke on the other day, and they and he was talking about the Vancouver market. And he was like, "There's one part that's normal, and there's another part that's kind of kind of over the top." And I'm like, and then I'm like, on top of it, you just sat Oliver Ekman Larson, who's been awful. Yeah. But he's still like, do you want to d- diminish all your assets before the trade deadline, or do you want to have one guy to throw? Do you want to have one guy you can flip, or do you want to trash all of them? And then on top of it, I'm like, they don't want their head coach then. Jim Rutherford has been disrespecting Bruce Boudreaux this entire season. So that's that's what drove me to very justifiably call Vancouver one of the worst teams in the NHL. I should have gone further and said North America. I should have went further and put them in Sacramento Kings territory. Um, and then I watch, did you watch the Jim Rutherford press conference today? Yeah. So that, that's the color I wanted to add to said, you tweeted this out a couple days ago. Before this was, this this was before today. Today's Jim Rutherford press conference. Oh, what a mess. I was I I listened to the whole thing while I was working. What a disaster. I, and back to what you just said about openly criticizing Bruce Boudreaux. He's directly asked a question today about if he's done 
And if they've been talking to Rick Tockett, instead of saying no, <laughs> and he did say Bruce Boudreaux is our head coach today, which, okay, that's obvious. What a uh, vote of confidence. Yeah, what, what a vote, vote of confidence. confidence. Uh, also said that he's talked to people of people and basically alluded to the fact that he's talked to other candidates. Uh, just, yeah, his whole presser, just disaster today. <laughs> I didn't like, I didn't know where to begin there. Because the the, the the Boudreaux, there was two things that really stuck out. Well, three. He said, I thought we were tanking, was the one of the quotes of all time. Um, Connor Bedard's a BC kid, right? Yeah. You guys know that, right? Yes, yep, yep. Um, so there was the I thought we were tanking line, which will live in infamy. <laughs> um, then there was... He acknowledged that he's been talking to other coaches for the last two months. Yeah. So since the middle of November, he has been humiliating his head coach. And now it's public. Now Elliot Friedman's got all the sources. Nobody's keeping their mouth shut. Everyone's spilling the beans because no one respects the Vancouver Canucks. That was the other... Like, most of these things, if they were just the ones, if they were the only store in Vancouver, it's the lead for two weeks. Mm-hmm. These things are all happening in real time. Yeah. The, and the, the nuts thing is he comes out and says right off the front, he goes, I thought they needed, I thought this team needed minor surgery, mm-hmm. but it needs major surgery. Four minutes later, Farhan Lalji gets him to say, well, I don't think we need a total rebuild, just a retool. What are you talking about? You just said you need major surgery. Do you remember what you said four minutes ago? Do you have any idea what you're talking about? The problem, here's the problem with Jim Rutherford, who's won cups. Full respect to Jim Rutherford, he's won cups. The way he communicates and runs a team, though, he's been in small-time markets. He's been in markets that when you really look at what's going on around them, are down the pecking order. And the Mm -hmm. Penguins, God love the Penguins, they're not ahead of the Steelers. They're not ahead of, of pit football. Like they're and when the Pirates are good, which has been it's been a while, they're not yeah. ahead of the Pirates. Yeah. They're not. So Jim Rutherford and Carolina and Pittsburgh is used to talking to the media anyway once. Boy, did he get a wake-up call today? He got grilled bad he, today. He got a wake-up call today, but he also didn't help himself. I, I heard some softballs in there. It wasn't all, it was all above the belt from the Vancouver media today. Again, completely justified what I tweeted the other day. It was all here. It was all, there was no need to, uh, no cup hitting in, in an MMA fight. It was right here. And that guy still couldn't keep it together and delivered one legendary, oh my God, quote after another. That market is a disaster. That market is an unmitigated disaster. And if I'm Elias Pedersen, if I'm Quinn Hughes, if I'm Brock Besser, and they've been trying on Brock, hopefully it happens for him. If I'm any of those guys, with respect, get me the hell out of this right now. Mm-hmm. Right now. Because if you're Pedersen, they didn't want to pay you anyway. You've been through that negotiation. And then he talked about, I, I didn't even bring up the Bull Horvat stuff from today, where he said, he said, well, we made a fair offer considering what he's done in the past, but he's having a career year, so we're in a pickle. No, 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 no. He's not in a pickle. Bull Horvat is not in a pickle. 
He's going to be in Colorado in like a couple weeks. Okay? It's Rutherford that's in the pickle because you gave all the money to JT Miller, who who hates the game of hockey. Who doesn't want to play it anymore? Watch it defensively. And hates all the players that he's on the ice with. (laughs) I've never – I've listen, I've lived in Toronto my whole life. I've followed the Ottawa Senators a bit. I've seen bad things happen in Edmonton. Canadian teams have had a rough stretch. A rough stretch. I would take every other franchise in this country over anything that's going on in Vancouver right now with that ownership. Any any, I'll take the Habs. Habs are in the playoffs in two years. And the Canucks are still going to be retooling. Yeah, Jeez, it's su- it's such a shame. It's such a shame, man. It feels like it a shame. But why because, is it a shame? Because they got to keep your house in order. I understand what you're saying, and I hate to cut yeah. you off on your no, podcast. Yeah, but but the sh- there's no shame in being inept at your job. If you if you if you are inept at your job, you deserve what you get. Mm-hmm. If you're lazy in what you do, you deserve what you get. If you're disrespective, or if you're disres- disrespectful of people publicly, you get what you get. Yeah, I think I believe in karma. I think it's a thing. Me too. I truly believe in it. And Jim Rutherford walked in there with a chip on his shoulder that needed he needed help carrying it in to Rogers Arena, and he has spread that garbage all over the entire organization. This is this is an Aquilini deal too. Yeah. Oh, this Jim Rutherford is is highly thought of in hockey, but now you're seeing how he operates. Now you're seeing how he how he works, and that stuff might fly in Raleigh, North Carolina, and that stuff might fly in Pittsburgh. But you're 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 now in a town where people pay attention, like really pay attention. This is the big leagues in terms of attention. And I I saw a guy today, who's mid to small market in terms of handling the media, and how it's done. I don't want to hear about honesty. That's a screw-up after a screw-up after a screw-up today in that press conference. Screw-up after screw-up. And I didn't even hear, unless I missed I missed maybe the last five minutes, did he talk about Tanner Pearson at all? Because that was the whole at, point of the press conference. Yeah, at the very start. And that's why I think this presser is just so crazy because it, it began at the start with three individuals, this. two, yeah, two basically a, a doctor of the team and with the athletic training and background. So they had the three of them and then two left. And then I think that's where it really went sideways because you have two people kind of helping out Rutherford in terms of PR there. And then they leave and Rutherford's on his own for what seemed like even longer. This presser was specifically, and I, I want to make that clear on the podcast. This, this presser was specifically to address Tanner Pearson and the mishandling of his uh, treatment. So the fact that it just completely escalated and went to every other issue with his team from as I said, asset management. I think I've never seen a team go through worse asset management from top down, whether it's like the Rachel Dory, everything that happened there and and behind the scenes with other employees and obviously JT Miller and uh, how they've talked about certain players. But yeah, I mean, it was a disaster. I mean, in the presser, Jim Rutherford uh, was basically saying, oh, but if a, a team could help us out, like he was like openly saying that if a team could help us out, I don't, I don't even know if they know what they're doing. Said and it's unfortunate. And what Lucas was saying there, it's a shame. I would only say it's a shame for the fans. It's well, that that's what I was gonna jump on. It's a yeah. shame for the market, like you yeah. said, Sid. They're a top, they're a top three, five attention, you know, market in the league. And for those fans that obviously bleed hockey, maybe not to the level that people think of Montreal, Toronto, but it's it's damn right there. And yeah, you know, it, it seemed like they had an opportunity to change the page when they um 
brought in Jim Rutherford, but it, it's just leaked that that stench has continued, uh, you know, through into this era of the Canucks. And I don't know how they're getting out of this. I honestly don't know, like, what is move number one? I mean, it's probably moving Brock Besser, who is supposed to be traded the last three years. I mean, it, it's it's a disaster. It really is. I moved number one's firing Bruce Pujo. He's yeah, already done it. Well, relieve him, like relieve like, literally, him. Literally, already done it. Like yeah. I've never, I've never seen. This is one of the most disgraceful uh, treatments of a head coach I've ever seen. And I'm not always a fan of head coaches. If you do what you want to Torts, I could care less. Do do anything you want to Torts, I won't feel empathy. But even if Torts was was going through this, I think it's pretty messed up. This is this is outrageous. Well, Torts only lasted a year in Vancouver, so <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah, yeah, maybe there's a reason for that. Because he actually had an opinion and wanted stuff done a certain way and had standards and won a cup. Maybe he wanted that. Nope, not going to find that in Vancouver. Not going to find that in Vancouver. Now, I just listen, I, Vancouver's unique in that, with all due respect to like the BC Lions and the Whitecaps, it is heavy Canucks, mm-hmm. heavy Canucks in that market. Yeah. And that's tough. And I understand it. But get a grip. Get a grip. Your president can't be going out there and, and, and freestyling like that. That was as bizarre a press conference. Uh, that would, like, if I'm a season ticket holder, I'd give them up after watching. I'd give them up. Mm-hmm. Why would I? What, what am I doing? You do not care about my money. You do not care if that's the guy who's coming out. Like, he talked about his team today like I talk about my fantasy football team. <laughs> yeah. honestly yeah it didn't it was loose there was no emotion in it and it was way too forthcoming way too forthcoming if i want to trade austin eckler in my league i could you know i could say that all i want but he's running a national hockey league franchise i i i, I don't know i don't know who's throwing I don't know them this a, goes man yeah like, i don't know who's throwing them a bone right now like the fact that john what you said brother yeah, he was asking for like if someone else favor. There's no team. Every every team that's watching that today is like laughing, laughing and thinking we could get Horvat for pennies on the dollar. Like we can get him for way less than we thought we could. Besser, you think we're offering a lot for him? No chance. Any of these guys. And like, the best part is everyone knows Equilibrium is not going to eat salary. Yeah, you no, know, that guy's not going to do. Despite the fact he's paying like nine head coaches right now simultaneously, he's like, oh no, nope, I'm not going to eat salary. No, nope, okay. No need, no deals facilitated here. Yeah. Anyway, I think we've wasted too much time on this ridiculous team. I'm sorry. They're they're entertaining. Like honestly, like right now, like the start of every 32 Thoughts podcast are just Canucks. It is. It is. And and on this podcast, that's, that's what yeah. ours is too. And your so. podcast. That's yeah. when. You, so that's when you know. That's when you know you've reached a certain point. Yeah. When you're like, everyone knows what the first seven minutes of the pod is going to be, and you and you're waiting for it. Yeah. It'll yeah. be good. It's gonna be entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, Sid, we have we have taken up a lot, but honestly, I loved it, and and just your personality and how you come forward on on your takes. And now you've obviously trans transitioned into breakfast television, where you talk on a broad uh, scale of topics. So uh, whether it's politics, all that, how has your transition been? Kind of from that, I would say, big time personality of sports now and transition into like you talk about everything. And in the morning, I will say, my mom was hyped to know that. You were on the pod today because she watches breakfast television every morning. Which I'm sure Tell a lot right. of parents do. <laughs> She's our one viewer. Thank you. Uh, so it's been it's been really good, man. I got to tell you, it's been 
like it's nice to come on and kind of and do some more long form stuff with you guys and other people because that's what i'm used to mm -hmm. but um you know i i'm having a lot of fun i'm having a lot of fun i'm meeting people i'd never meet i get to talk about things i never get to talk about and things i'm genuinely passionate about like i, I love sports i'll always love sports but i love a lot of things and i'm passionate about a lot of things and i am interested in a lot of things um and it's a hell of a team over there it's been it's been amazing it's been really good it's been really good and you know the beauty is when the day comes where the jays decide to win a playoff game and make a deep run or the leafs decide to make a deep run which i still think they can this year i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt sure why not uh or the raptors get it together again like we're it's a type of show where we're going to immerse ourselves in that as well so it's not like they let me do all kinds of stuff. It's not like they said you can't do sports anymore. Of course I can. But I get to talk about politics and world events and entertainment, Golden Globes and blah, blah, blah. Like it's fair. No two days are the same. I really like it. It's a fast four hour show, if that makes any sense. But like the pacing of the show is quick. And it's not just for, uh, I mean, it's for the host as well. I hope it comes across for the viewers. It's a quick show, but it's very quick for us. Yeah. And um, I've had a, I'm having a blast doing it. Honestly, I'm having a blast doing it. I miss Tim, Tim and the guys and all that. We grew up together. Uh, but not every day in sports is really that interesting, if I'm being mm -hmm. honest. Like there's there's about 10 to 15 really good juicy days a year. And the rest of the time, we're kind of messing around and filling time, which I had no problem doing. <laughs> we were pretty good at it. Yeah. But uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying breakfast television. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. That's awesome to hear. And honestly, when I scroll through, you know, it's whatever it is, Instagram reels, TikToks, any of the, any of the social platforms, I like what your content team is doing there. And I see a lot of your like short form, like a few minute rants on there still. And you're getting I, a lot I of positive feedback that. on TikTok. Yeah. Like people are loving you, Sid. I'm always yeah. seeing it's good it. good to hear because I don't know a damn thing about TikTok. So <laughs> I, but, but my dream has come true. Uh, I, uh, Talia is our social media coordinator. She's amazing. She basically just tells me what to do and we do it nice and it's and and the way she pulls stuff from the show i know what you're saying she's very she's very clever she's yeah. good um but it's been it's it's stuff like that like, it's a big like, it's a big team i'm not used to a team that big like at sportsnet we we loved what we did but it, there was like a handful of us right like it was it's, you know it was we didn't have like 25 people around us i got 25 people around me at breakfast television doing all kinds of amazing things and um and it's uh, yeah, I don't. I miss the guys. I do not regret this at all. I'm having a blast. I'm getting to show a lot of different sides of myself. And uh, yeah, no two days are the same. And no two days are the same. It's been a lot of fun. And and I still talk sports, which is cool. That's awesome. Yeah, well, most said, ideal. Said uh, we really appreciate you jumping on. But before you go, I want you to give us a quick thought of what you think happened with uh, with Portugal at this year's World Cup. What 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 really went down there? I know you probably can't do it super quick, but let let's try to make it quick. Let's see. Well, Ronaldo was a problem. Okay, I believe it was a problem uh, on like the second the second he did that interview with Piers Morgan, he was a problem. He wasn't thinking about the World Cup at all. He wasn't focused. Um. And, and what usually happens is, I figure Portugal out. Mm -hmm. If Portugal plays a non-European team, they do not respect them. Switzerland, they respected. They won that, you know, they do pretty well in the Euros. Um, they don't, if it's not a European team, they don't juice up for it. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. 
but Morocco, like a team like Morocco, they won't get juiced for it. I don't know why. They need to approach every game like it's France, and they don't. And and it, and it shows. They didn't lose that game because of Morocco. With respect, they they spent forty five minutes in the first half messing around with long balls that didn't hit, and they then they got bit. So one day, and I don't think Roberto Martinez is the guy. I think he's a lousy coach. But one day they'll figure it out and they'll respect all opponents. The second they do, they can win like every other tournament. I think they're good in them. But they got to respect other teams. And, and and certain teams they do, certain teams they don't. I think it's Portugal in a nutshell. Yeah, that does sound like them in a nutshell. We have a lot of content creators and sport media uh, individuals, like including myself who came out of the sport media program. Uh, do you have any, whether it's advice, because for myself, and I was even saying to Lucas before we got you on, like, the one thing I, I mean, I have a, res- I have respect for a lot of things you've done, but the, the highest thing I have respect for you is like your ability, just to like, I wouldn't say you don't care what people think, but you just, you're super genuine, super raw. Like you just come out with your take. You just, you kind of deliver it to the best. So whether it's that or just overall getting into the industry, gaining connections, all that, do you have any maybe advice or kind of how you handle things going through the industry and now uh, where you're at today? I, I mean, I would say like not everyone can be, honest on air yeah uh you know it's not for them just be like find whatever the best version of you is and if it happens to stand out a bit even better so somebody once said to me i was doing highlights somebody once said to me um you know you need to stand out more and i only now at 45 do i kind of know what he was saying now i don't think he meant you know, piss everyone off on Twitter. <laughs> but I think whatever whatever that unique part of you is, exploit it. Exploit it. There's a lot of people that can read a prompt, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're good at it. But can you do stuff they can't do? Like to, to be I think I think right now sports media is rewarding people being themselves more than ever before. For sure. And the beauty is you can start with something like this. You can do a pod. You can, you, can, you can literally develop your own start. I didn't have that option. A lot of guys my age and a lot of women my age didn't have that option. But this it's a different time, completely different time. Whether you're an analytics geek making your bones online and everyone knows who you are, whether you're you know two young guys like you starting up a pod over the last year, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, you guys have like there. There are real opportunities for everyone because everyone's allowed at the table to show people what you can do. And when I was younger, that wasn't readily available. Um, so find out what the best you is. And um, you know, if you wanna if you wanna do opinion-based stuff, the one the one thing I would say is know where the line is. But when you know exactly where the line is, and some people don't, but if you know where the line is, don't walk up to it, run to it. Mm. Just don't go over it. Yeah. <laughs> but don't walk up to it. That's boring. If you know where the line is, hit it. And don't give a shit what anybody says about you. I love it's it. The important thing I can tell you. Because everyone's yeah. going to have an opinion because of this damn thing. Everyone's yeah. going to have an opinion. About your opinion. Well, that's love how it that goes now. Yeah, I love the, that. The most amazing thing I see on Twitter is like people who have the opinion that I don't deserve to have an opinion. 
It's amazing when you think about it. Oh. But that's Twitter. But that's Twitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you just can't use you not caring is quite the trick. I would encourage mm-hmm. everyone to have it. Yeah, right, said, speaking of, well, I was just going to say, speaking of Twitter, I, I'm not just saying this because you're on, but you're truly one of my favorite follows because I know you you were off Twitter for a while and you made your notorious return. And I, I think, yeah, all your sports takes, like truly uh, one of a kind because I don't I don't see too many, like obviously reporting and breaking news, but I, I lo- bring those uh, Canuck-style takes more on Twitter because I, I love them, man. Keep them, keep them coming. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, the, the, the funny part is now that I'm not doing sports consistently all the time, I'm having more fun on Twitter than I have in a while. There you go. Because I'm because I piss off people even more now because I'm out of sport. And they're yeah. like, what's the weather today tomorrow? <laughs> like, like honestly, there's like yeah. nine guys. If you go through, if you scroll through my my replies, the same nine guys, <laughs> there's nine guys who are like, What's what's the 401 looking like right now? <laughs> like it's pretty, it's kind of funny. Uh, but uh, they're like more annoyed which is great. Which is yeah. perfect. I think that's some of the magic too, is that since you're not in sports now, you got to, you select those moments to come out, um, drop that <laughs> fire take and well, piss off you, those nine guys. I'll tell you a quick story about yeah. the role Twitter's now playing my life before we go. Yeah. Um, was it a, last year around this time that Leon Dreisaitl and Jim, was it Jim Matheson? <laughs> yeah, that was, back yeah. yeah. Or it's around, it's around this time last year, right? Yeah. yeah. So I thought Matheson was being a complete idiot. And uh, I just, I defended Dreisaitl with one sentence. I said, he did nothing wrong yesterday. Somebody from Edmonton, who Oilers fans would know, got a hold of my number and called me and wanted to know what I meant by that. Now, I've never worked in Edmonton, but this guy's never worked in Toronto. And he was perplexed as to why I would take Dreisaitl's side because the line that came to me was, and I'm not going to say who this was, but the line that came to me was, he's moody a lot. And I said to him, I said to him in, in very frank terms, I don't care if he sprayed, if he water bottled you passing by in the hallway. If that, if if someone in the Toronto media market would got would have gone after Mitch Marner like that or Austin Matthews like that, he's not getting back in the Scotiabank because there is some level of decorum. Mm-hmm. Maybe not during the, like the Kessel days; it was kind of the Wild West, but like that doesn't happen. But my main point is a guy technically out of sports media right now is being followed by a lot of people still in sports media. Mm-hmm. Why? I'm not yeah. sure. I'm just a guy on a TV show. But I'm not an idiot, and I've worked in the business for a little bit, and I've seen a few things. And Twitter gives me the option to still get in the game a little bit, and I kind of like it. I kind of like it. So I hate it, and I like it. Is is the is the main point of that story, but there are, there are some people in the business who still kind of look for me for certain things. I'm not sure why, because I genuinely am a fan like everyone else. I get upset at things. I love things. I'm I'm no different than anyone else. But what I don't like is stupidity, 
And I didn't like what happened to Dryside last winter. And I said what I said. And when I don't like something, I say what I said. Just yeah. like I praise people all the time. But I am I am fascinated by having left sports media and still having some kind of traction with people in sports media. I'll psychoanalyze that further another day with you. Mm -hmm. Figure out what that means. Yeah. But um, Twitter, Twitter's a good tool for it. I can't quit it. And it definitely hop it definitely happens out west, like Western Canadian teams, I feel like more without those like the only one I could pick apart, Lucas. I don't know if you is like Steve, like Matthew's addressing Steve's article, Tim openly. Yeah. That's that's about it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great example. But the one thing I also find about teams and like like some people in Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary is they will scream uh, to the heavens about how no one there really cares about what anyone in Toronto thinks, and they listen to everything what people <laughs> they listen to everything yeah. coming out of Toronto, which I always found unreal. Like it was the most transparent thing I've ever seen. It's like, but you're listening to everything we're saying. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's also ironic. It's, it's when... pretty obvious. Yeah. But I mean, it's, but I get the, but I get there, like, there are people who don't like Toronto. I don't know why. They never win. It's, it's not like the Yankees. Yeah. They could spend everyone. Like, I don't know what you're mad at Toronto for, but uh, I do, I find the sports broadcasting landscape very interesting in, in Canada right now. Very interesting. And um, I got lucky in that one day I figured out that I could actually say stuff and I wouldn't get in trouble for it. Maybe behind the scenes, maybe, you know, uh, there, there might have been things I've, I've never even heard of that went there. But um, I found a safe space and uh, and, I, and I stayed there for a while. But I do love poking the sports media bear now and again. I'm not adverse to it. Love it. <laughs> I'm well, not keep, adverse to it. Keep doing that. Never stop. Never stop that because you're definitely uh, a really important figure in the sports Canada landscape. And we, even, yeah, even though important. I think I'm annoying, I don't know if I'm important. I, I'd I say they go hand God in hand. God bless you, but <laughs> I, I, I appreciate it. All right. We'll saw it off there. Yeah. We'll yeah. saw it off there. All right, Sid. Well, we really appreciate you coming on and we'd love to have you again. Uh, we'll totally keep in touch and we wish you uh, a good morning tomorrow on BTL. I can't promise I'll be watching at 6 a.m. But how about I check out on my commute watch, in? Yeah. On my commute in, I'll watch. Unbelievable. I'll be on by 7.30. I never I never do a podcast at <laughs> this time of night. And you're going to watch PT tomorrow? That's a hot take. I, I will watch <laughs> I will watch starting at 7.30. That's what I can promise no, you. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'll, I'll take the PBR. If you PBR, I'm fine. <laughs> there we go. All right, boys. Take care. All right, Sid. Thanks again, Thanks. Sid. Have we a really great appreciate night. it. What an absolute legend. Wow. wow. Uh, yep. Yeah. You know what? I got to say, and this is no, this is not like putting down our other guests at, at, in any sense at all. But I, I truly think what Sid brings on TV is like what you're getting what with what we just saw right there. And I, I honestly, whether it's the Portuguese in them or, or the, uh, like the, the outspoken personality um, that that's my style right there, Lucas. I, I love it. And, and for someone that's coming out of like, coming out of the sport media program and like trying to, and I see what Sid was saying there. Cause it's like, as you're trying to grow, you, you have to be careful what you say. You can't just, mm-hmm. I think it's easier to say when you're more established in your career, more established in your position. And what he's saying right there, like he's on breakfast television. He, he doesn't really get bashed for much of what he says. Right. Especially inside. So I think for me, that's my kind of style. And sometimes I do have to be careful because I still have to prove myself in so many aspects, but that's my shit right there.
Sean, I feel like you walk the line pretty well though, too. The one thing that Sid's got going that sometimes you gotta you gotta watch out for is those trolls, buddy. Those yeah. trolls. You gotta <laughs> stay away from those trolls. Cause Sid is the master at like he said, those yeah. nine nine people. Yeah, you know, yapping at him in the comments. You know, no harm, no foul. Just laugh at him. No, you're 100. percent I've been fun, so right? bad in the past. I've gotten better, but I've so you have gotten so a lot better. in the past. Where it's yeah. like I see a couple comments, and my mind just I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I don't know if it's the Vivero's anger issues. But I just like I tw- I twist and I just I get so triggered. But honestly, I've been so much better. I, the, the passion comes in certain ways. You just I obviously got to read the room sometimes. But oh man, it's uh yeah. Sid was great. <laughs> oh yeah. What an episode, buddy. Nice, nice long one for uh, all the listeners out there. Um, episode 21. Yeah. And I got to say, Lucas, man, uh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll boost you up here. Cause I, I, I don't need the credit, man. You cut, you came in, we've, we've duoed, we've co-hosted this pod episode 21, like even Sid pumping up our tires. It's been sick so far, man. And whether it's like we bring on coming up more personalities or even we, We've gotten into that category of former NHL players. The day we yeah. start getting the current NHL players, that even more so big time. But I'm just, man, I'm freaking hyped. We, episode 21, we talked about that that 20 episode marker, and and we're and I feel we're heating up. I feel it. Oh yeah, we're heating up, buddy. I mean, look, even Sid, Sid knew. Sid did his little research. He's like, yeah, Duffy on the show. Oh, so, he, he uh, did his he did his background check. Did I love it. it. So uh, we'll see. Keep keep listening and keep watching us on YouTube and. We'll have some new guests, obviously, as we go on. And so excited to bring you guys. Oh, I love that it turned into a Good sit chats there. Yeah, man. All right. right. Well, thank you so much, guys. Lucas, myself, John. Great chat with with Sid Sixero. And honestly, more great guests to come. More great pod episodes to come. Episode 21, a lot more to come. Thank you so much. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that like. Follow. Rate everything the best you can. Spotify, Apple, do all that good stuff. We really appreciate the support. And reach out to us, as I said, on YouTube, social media. And Lucas, have a good one. Peace. Peace.